Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Julie R. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Northern California. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023, and this is the 7 a.m. meeting. Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are in the chapter Into Action. We are on page 83, the second paragraph. The spiritual life is not a theory, ending with 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone, one paragraph only. Today's readers are reading the text is Marge O, page 164 is Susan S.H., and backup is Kathy S. Newcomer greeter is Pam S.R., and the host for the second hour is Barb W. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, May 22nd. 2023 is 20,281, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 20,282. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA and to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. I will now ask Marietta P. to read the 12 steps of OA. Uh, press star to one, uh, star one to unmute Marietta. Okay, Marietta might be having some phone problems. So, um, Kathy S., if you're on the line, could you please read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous? Okay, how about you, Susan S.H.? I am ready. Can you hear me? Thank you. Okay. Perfect. Susan S.H. in Ohio, a compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. That our lives had become unmanageable. I'm reading it right from the big book, so that's... Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
Then, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Page trouble here. Okay, 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you for jumping in for us, Susan. I will now ask Jim Kay to read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, everyone. Jim Kay from Minneapolis, compulsive overeater. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, Each group should be autonomous except in the matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name through any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles over personalities. I pass. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Today's share ID for Tuesday, May 23rd is 20,284. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. 
then press star one to mute your phone. To, to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on Into Action. We are on page 83, second paragraph. The spiritual life is not a theory. Ending with 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. One paragraph only. I will now ask Marge O. to begin reading. Good morning. Marge O. from Massachusetts. Recovered today, but not cured. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not to urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our, our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. So let me start at the bottom of the paragraph, the 10 or 20 years of drunkenness. For me, it would be 20 plus years, maybe 30, of every diet known to man, whatever came out in the, the latest um, woman's magazine or whatever was the hot number, the grapefruit diet, the, the Metricol diet, the weight, weigh and pay diet, all of them, I tried them all. And of course, the magic number would come and then I would start eating again. I didn't know about my physical allergy and my mental obsession. I just knew, I thought I just loved to eat, but that was not the case. And then I found a way. And then I found out about the spiritual life. And in, in this paragraph, uh, we have to live it is italicized. And as I've learned, if it's in italics, it's extremely important to pay attention to. And how do I live it? Yes, I do my prayer and meditation. I was just talking with a fellow member this morning that, you know, about how important the point awakening has become to me because I live a whole different life instead of running around and going from whatever's on my list, which is always way too long for a day anyway, or was, but um, instead of racing around and trying to get many more things done in a day than any human should, should want to do, um, it's take one thing at a time. What is your day like? Where are you going? Who can you help? Can you make two extra phone calls today? And generally speaking, the answer is yes. Can I make calls and take calls? Yes, I can. Can I be kind and generous to people? Can I keep my higher power right in my right-hand pocket? Because I reach in my pocket often for different things, my keys, my Kleenex, change, whatever. Can I keep my higher power just as handy in that right-hand pocket to take out when um, I feel some stress or I feel like that, indecision it just sort of melts away it's like let me take two minutes to think about this and you know a day at a time that works that works and to do my nightly review you know what kind of day did I have was I kind was I generous was I racing around do I have something to talk to somebody about that I didn't bring up today and I skipped over it because there was always a lot of that in my life being a people pleaser um I often would not say what needed to be said at the time. And just thankful that a day at a time, I've learned to live a spiritual life. Am I perfect? No, absolutely not. That's why we have all the information in this book that we do to, to what to do about it when, you know, our step 10. 
So at that time, I am eternally grateful. I say that often because I do live a grateful life for OA and the 12 steps, all my 12-step programs. And with that, I pass. And thank you. Thank you, Marge O. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Jim K. Minneapolis. Rick J. Pamela P. from Boston. Pennsylvania. Okay, okay hold on. I heard a Jim. I heard a Jim, and then I heard Rick Loretta K. H. Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. Katie G. P. Riska R T C. Rachel K. Uh, Sharon K. Rizka R. Rizka R. Riska R. Julie, sorry, did you hear KDG? I sure did. Thanks, Julie. Alice B. Alice B. Nancy H. We're gonna stop right here. So we have a Jim. Please tell me your initial of your last name, followed by Rick K, Loretta H, Pam P, Katie G. Let's start with that. Okay, Jim, go ahead. Good morning. It's Jim K from Minneapolis, a compulsive overeater. You know, I, I don't share too often uh, on these calls, in fact, very little, but uh, I've been with OA for uh, about two months now, or a little less than two months. And this paragraph is, uh, I think, meaningful to probably any person who has just uh, uh, come into the program and all of that, because they probably, we probably all have a story about how we were attracted to the program. And as many of you, if not all of you, I I can be a bit stubborn in my uh, uh, characteristics and my uh, Faults, uh, to a fault, I can be stubborn. So I think about what what attracted me to OA, and it wasn't someone preaching to me. It wasn't someone telling me uh, and and proselytizing to me about OA and and the spirituality of the program and and everything else. Because to be honest, that would have turned me off, and my stubborn nature would have uh, and my uh, Stubbornness would have built a wall and said, no, no, not for me. But how was I attracted? I was attracted by uh, another's behavior and solely by that person's behavior where I've known the person for some time and I realized over time that they had uh, reduced weight and kept it off. But more importantly, I noticed that they were acting different. They seemed happier. They seemed to be more uh, in tune with life and in the moment and all of that. And that's what caused me to reach out to them to find out, hey, what what's happening in your life? What's going on? And that's what brought me to OA. And it's the, you know, it's the, it reminds me of the fifth tradition. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And this paragraph reminds us the best way for us to give any message to anybody who suffers is show them through how we behave, how we act, how we work the program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen. Next, we'll have Rick K. followed by Loretta H. 
Uh, good morning. This is uh, Rick J. Uh, I am oh, a reader. I live in uh, North Carolina, and thanks for your service, and thanks for everybody being here. Love, love, love this paragraph. And I, um, a lot of times in my morning meditation, you know, in my writing, I, I write this down, you know, um, and I, I do the, uh, you know, the, do the ask of the, uh, of the previous paragraph too, you know, asking each morning in meditation, um, that our creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. Um, you know, these are specific things that it's telling me and, um, yeah, I, I'm a master manipulator, and I I know what to say to make people happy, right, or to, to get what I need or to um, get them to come back to me after my behavior is, is repelled them. And, you know, yeah, I'm a compulsive eater, and, and I'm – that's not my only addiction, right? And, um, you know, and, and my whole life has been lived sort of – um, you know, on the motto, if it's worth doing, it's worth being addicted to, you know, and, and that lifestyle tends to come in conflict with the people who love me. So the spiritual life is not a theory. I have to live it. I, I start personalizing these things. And, uh, and yes, the, uh, you know, I agree, the italics, it's like, hey, uh, you know, pay attention. I have to live it. And, you know, and I've been thinking about this, <clears throat> you know, there are some musts in this book, you know, it's, um, there's a lot of suggestions in here, but if I want spiritual awakening and transformation, there's things I must do. And, uh, you know, what it's saying, if I rearrange the words just a little bit, we have to live the spiritual life. I have to live the spiritual life and have to could easily be um, replaced with a must. So I must live the spiritual life. I must live in spiritual action. And these spiritual actions, <clears throat> my voice is going to go, um, you know, is where I tried to be today. That's what I'm living in is spiritual action, just like it's teaching me. It's a spiritual program of action. You know, talk is cheap. It's not what I do. It's what I say. Our behavior will convince them more than our words, you know, and, and I have to be careful. Um, you know, I live in the steps today, you know, just like it's, it's taught me and, you know, 10, 11 and 12 are, you know, are basically for me, if I'm truly deep diving into those three steps, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm living in all the steps, you know, and, um, you know, actions speak louder than words, <clears throat> but, uh, reactions speak louder than both. And, you know, my self-will will still react to life. That's why it's so important for me to be, you know, living in not just 10, but in 11 and 12. And in 11, when I'm starting my day in prayer and meditation, and I'm pausing throughout the day, and I'm ending my day with God, you know, the God of my understanding, it's, it's telling me about strengthening this connection with this, this power to live in true freedom. Huh. And yes, I can fall back on my inventory process anytime I need to, but that's where I am today, and it's great to be here with you all. With that, I pass. Thank you, Rick J. Next, we have Loretta H., followed by Pamela P., and then Katie D. Go ahead, Loretta. 
Thank you, Julie, and thank you, everyone, along with my precious God, who is saving my life today, Loretta H. Recovered in North Carolina. Spiritual life is not a theory. I have a spiritual malady, and that means that my mind is sick. And unless every single day I refresh this mind, I do an on-awakening in the morning, and then I continue this day, hopefully on God's will. But I have a little story to tell. Okay, there are three people, or not three, three animals that want to enter heaven. And one is a shepherd, one is a pit bull, and one is a cat. And these three animals want to, and God asks them, why do you want to um, enter heaven? And the shepherd goes, because I protect people. And the um, pit bull goes, because I protect property. And the cat goes, you're sitting on my chair. And that is where I am a lot of my days. And this is where, you know, I think, as somebody said yesterday, that actor. And I have to remember that my acting and sitting on that chair, even though I'm a Leo, is not going to work for me anymore. And then I have to practice these programs. And that's why 10, 11, and 12 are so important to me because, first of all, I have to admit when I've been sitting on the chair or I have to review that I may have been sitting on the chair that day. And then I have to pass this message on like I'm not sitting on the chair. So I'm a Leo, and even though I am a Leo, I have to remember that all the years I spent 54 years in this disease, took a job to control my weight, ran marathons to control my weight, and nothing worked until I realized that I have a spiritual malady and turning my will and my life over to the care of God. And I find that step three, if I use it properly, is my trust fund. And then I go on to move on to all the other steps. And then I can get off of that chair and be happy, joyous, and free. And it's connection, not perfection, that I drive for every day. And that neutrality where I crave that in every affair along with the principles. And that is my abstinence. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Loretta. Next, we have Pamela P. followed by Katie G. and Rachel K. Go ahead, Pamela. Yes. Hi. This is Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. Yes, and when I read the paragraph, I know that the message is the solution. Um, but I do tell what I'm going through. So people who are struggling or going through similar know that it's still a hope. You know, that's the, to me the major thing in the whole program, that a hope that we could have a fruitful life without you know, going to the food. And when you go to the food, it's it a fakeness, it's it, it a lot of pretending, it's a small amount of time, then it's harder. So um, I did try and be a mess of a light in the, in the midst of the darkness of the disease. So, um, you know, my experience and hope, you know, I call five people a day because someone just says, call five, stay alive. Like a weed program, I can't do this alone. 
is up to hear other people's messages and help me. That we feed on each other instead of using the food to feed on or be consumed by the food. So it's it, it a daily reprieve. And then it's it a struggle. To me, it's been very struggling with this disease. And but I I feel God put little victory throughout the day that gave me hope, and you know the the food always there it never not there. Even how much I try and stay away from it, it always come up. And even a safe food could become unsafe in the instant. The one composer bite. So it like every day I gotta put at least five hundred percent. And that maybe don't guarantee that I'm not going to take an extra bite. But it do guarantee I had, could have sanity around the food. And so I just pray the rest of the day I don't compose to overeat and focus on God and program and everyone. And thank God for the program, like Vision for You, regular OA. And it's just the people, the, people, the fellowship is amazing. I do thank God for my sponsor. And I do thank God for my partner. And I pass. Thank you, Pamela P. Next we have Katie G, followed by Rachel K, and then Sharon K. Go ahead, Katie. Hey, Julie. Good morning. Thanks for your service. Thanks for allowing me to speak. And good morning, everyone. My name is Katie G. I'm a recovered compulsive eater. You know, one of the funniest things that happened when I was taking notes on this paragraph this morning is my husband interrupted me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, good morning. My behavior will convince you more than my words, right? Like, so my husband wants to interrupt my quiet time, and I'm going to lecture him on not interrupting my quiet time. My behavior will convince him more than my words. Don't you think that God would want me to be with my husband? Don't you think that God got me abstinent and recovered today so that I can be a good human being? You know, yes, this is all about how am I living the spiritual life. And yes, is it vital that I take time with God every day? Yeah, but then I got to be with God's kids, right? And so my behavior is going to convince them more than my words. And I, I've known my husband for nine years, and I can tell you, I have made so many apologies to him. He does not believe me. And then I get surprised, because I'm like, well, why don't you trust me? Maybe it's because I was exercising to the tune of two hours a day and lying to him. Why don't you trust me with our finances? Well, maybe it's because I'm spending all of our money and that's going up on our credit card every month, and yet I'm demanding he trust me. But maybe it's because every time we fight, I remind him that I'm in a step 12-step program When's the last time you made amends to me? These are all behaviors that do not demonstrate patience, kindliness, tolerance, and love. I have two little humans, and I need to go to them and say to them, you know what? Mommy should not have yelled at you the other day. Right, yeah, I need to say that to them, but then you know what? Mommy needs to stop yelling. And you know what? I need to demonstrate to my husband that I can get off the phone, that I can stop being on meetings, that I can start 
living my life. Because yes, is it vital that I work this program? Well, anyone knows I'm 44 and I entered this program at age 27. I literally don't know how to live my life without this program. There's no program God part of my life. This program is my life. Right, but then God has handed me these roles, these opportunities to be a wife, to be a mom. And I ask myself now, thanks be to God, because I learned from other people, how would my husband say I did the other day? How would my child say I did the other day? How would my, how would my friends in recovery say I did the other day? Like, am I willing to put patience, kindliness, tolerance, and love? Am I willing to stop yelling? Am I willing to stop talking? Am I willing to be God's girl, right? Like God is patience, kindliness, tolerance, and love, and I'll wrap up with this. Can I emulate that today? Or am I just good at talking about it for three minutes on the phone at Vision for You? I'll tell you what, I would rather not talk ever again and show up for my family the rest of my life than the opposite. And with that, I pass. Thank you, KDG. Next, we have Rachel K. followed by Sharon K., Ruska R., and then Alice B. Go ahead, Rachel K. Hi. Thanks, Julie. This is Rachel K., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Indiana. And, um, yeah, this passage is so great because I had all, all sorts of theories and all sorts of, you know, morals and values you know, that I espoused before I recovered, before I put the food down. You know, I believe in this. I believe in being honest, but I wasn't honest. I believe in, you know, down to things like, yeah, everybody should vote. I never voted until I finally put down the food because, sorry, I'm too busy binging to to go out to the polls. I mean, just stupid stuff like that. And, um, and so I have to, you know, don't watch what I say or don't listen to what I say, watch what I do. Um, and as far as, you know, being that way with my family, um, I learned the other day on this podcast about um, they've studied that when you tell not just children, but adults and uh, adults and adult learners, if you teach them something and then you go back and, and tell them, you know what, that was totally 100% false and then you survey them, they still end up believing the first thing that you taught them. Like they will recall that, hence the whole thing about, you know, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And so my family lived with me, you know, I didn't recover and and put down the food until age 30. And so for the first 30 years of my life, they lived with this person who was crazy and volatile and they didn't know you know, what weight I was going to show up at. They didn't know what kind of behavior I was going to have, you know, whether they could talk about food, not talk about food, whatever. And so, um, you know, I did my lifetime's work, part of it, you know, which is part of doing God's will, which is my life's work, uh, or what I try to make my life's work is, is changing my behavior. And it says in this passage, basically, and now I don't have it right in front of me, but you know, they will change in time or they'll come around. You know what? Even if they don't, that's okay. That's okay. Even if to them, I am still sort of that sick little girl who, you know, what are we going to do with Rachel? (laughs) Because, you know, she can't seem to get away from this, this binging thing. Um, Even if they don't, that, you know, I still living my life with integrity and honesty and showing up for them and, you know, 
meeting what I say, saying what I mean, um, you know, keeping my commitments with them is a way that I can make amends for um, what I put them through. No matter, you know, forget about the other side of the street. I only, you know, am concerned with my side. So anyway, thanks for calling on me. Everybody have a great day and I pass. Thank you, Rachel Okay. Next, we have Sharon K, Rishka R, and Alice B. Go ahead, Sharon. Good morning, everybody. My name is Karen K, recovered compulsive eater from Syracuse, New York, and my credits still do not transfer. Well, this is one of my favorite chapters of the big book, like everything else, or paragraphs or sentences, and, you know, I got to be honest with you, I didn't know what it means or what it meant, a spiritual life is not a theory, we have to live it. Um, but when I got on this meeting uh, a, little, a little under four years ago, I learned more and more about, you know, what, what can I bring to, what, what can I bring to the table? Um, you know, am I helping other people, both in and out of OA or whatever program that I happened to be in that day? Uh, what meetings I'm going to, am I listening, am I listening, not only to God, but am I listening to each voice that's on this line, and everybody has a message to carry. Then I try my very best with God's help to transfer that into my day, and, you know, whether I'm on a, you know, in a meeting or not in the morning, I do my two-way prayer. Uh, last time I went through steps uh, with my sponsor about a year ago, that was her requirement to be on a two-way prayer meeting so I could see what God's will is for me. And I just want to close with this. Um, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. You know, Harlan G. said in um, 2019, August, on a Zoom workshop that the places you'll go, the people that you'll meet, this, this program will bring you to your wildest dreams. And you know what? It just brings me tears. Um, I got married. God put a man into my life. And someone asked me last, uh, about three or four weeks ago, to do a big book workshop for OA. Never done one of those before. And we did 12 steps in less than 24 hours. It was absolutely beautiful. How not only God worked through me, but how God, all those people stood up and did 10 step after 10 step after 10 step. And they were, they were willing to learn and grow and change. They were a witness of the big book and growth. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Karen Kay. Next, we have Riska R. followed by Alice B. Go ahead, Riska. Good morning. Um, thank you, everyone, for your service. This is Riska, R-I-V, as in Victor, K-A, uh, R in Baltimore, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Um, so the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. I read this for many years, and I didn't really get what it means. I thought it meant trying to be abstinent, trying to be an unselfish person, which I, I often failed at. And I didn't realize it meant putting God first and relying on him so that I can connect with reality and truth, and my whole perspective can transform. What that 12 steps allows me to do is, is first notice when my ego is trying to run the show which just totally disconnects me from God and reality. And then the 12 steps can set me right again so I can connect with the great reality, which 
frees me from this bondage to myself. So if God is the great reality, where am I at odds with reality? One way I, I see that I'm at odds with reality is when I'm using the word should. So just yesterday I found myself saying should a lot, like this one should be doing that and that one should be doing this. And all of a sudden I was able to hear myself and hear the lie. And I thought, uh-oh, when I'm shooting on others, I'm in the driver's seat and I'm not accepting that someone else's reality could be different from mine and that's okay. So now I see that the 12 steps helps me move from a state of of darkness. I mean, my, when I'm in my ego, it's just, it's, it's dark. I'm in a state of defensiveness and, and delusion and destruction, you know, especially destructive eating and disconnection. And it allows me to reconnect with my true self. And it's not a one and done. Like it's a constant process of noticing when I'm in darkness and turning to the light. And that's okay. That's my mission. That's my contribution to the world, and even if that's my only contribution to the world, to notice when I'm in that darkness and turn toward the light and hopefully help a few others do the same, then and it's enough because that's a spiritual life. I looked at the word light and I actually um, saw that it contains what I need to live a spiritual life. So this is a little corny, but like it encapsulated what living a spiritual life is for me today. So L stands for love and listen. I stands for inspiration and intimacy. G stands for gratitude, giving, and God. H stands for honest, helpful, humble, and happy. T stands for tolerance and trust. And I put lights in there because I needed that S, which stands for sanity, sober, and surrendered. So I hope that we all have a blessed stand, day standing in the light today. And and if we have some darkness, we know that we can go to the light. So thanks so much for letting me share tonight. Yeah. Thank you, Riska R. And next we have Alice B. Go ahead. Hi, this is Alex B. from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm so glad to be on the line. I'm really grateful this is uh, here all the time. Um, yeah, the spiritual life is not a theory. That really resonated with me this morning. Uh, I've been abstinent, thank God, for several months now, and it's been the farthest I've been in program and going through the steps. I just completed uh, the seven, I just prayed the seventh step prayer uh, a few days ago. But right before that, I, I, as the book says, to, to take this time for prayer, to take this hour and to reflect on, on how the process has been, it was really revelatory for me because even though I've been abstinent and continuing the program and going to meetings and, and doing what I need to do, it, it, by uh, just really going before my God and, and investigating, examining what's been going on interiorly, it revealed to me that in the past few weeks, I've been letting... Uh, things get out of order in terms of how I live this program, where I've been relying on the tools and relying on the meetings and relying on my sponsor uh, to keep, and relying even on, on physical abstinence, which is, which is great, uh, but, but not recognizing the deeper transformation that God is inviting me to by relying totally on God and on the Spirit of God. And so it, it was just a really helpful sort of renewal to, uh, for me to see that, that abstinence is not... Uh, for me, the end goal, it is, it is a part of the freedom for me to be transformed by God, right? That uh, 12 and 12 talks about settling. Now, I don't want to settle uh, uh, for abstinence, but I want to allow God to transform all of my life, to give me this deeper freedom 
this deeper mission to then go out eventually as a 12-step and help others. Um, and so, yeah, the spiritual life is, is not a theory. That's the core of it for me. That's the only way this has worked is by relying on God. And so I'm really grateful a few days ago that God showed me how I was relying too much on the tools rather than on, on, on God. And yes, it is God's will for me to use the tools and to use the groups and to use the, you know, to benefit from this community. Uh, but insofar as it's helpful, it's conducive for my relationship with God that ultimately leads me to freedom and ultimately leads me to my most authentic peace. And so I'm grateful for this program. I'm grateful uh, to each of you and I'm grateful to God for having me uh, be here and continue in this program. So thank you. Please uh, pray for me. And I, with that, I pass. Thank you, Alex B. Okay. Uh, time to open up another round. I'd like to remind everybody we are on page 83, the second paragraph, the spiritual life is not a theory. Ending with 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. Who would else, who else would like to share on this paragraph? Kim A. Linda D. Let's try that again. Linda D. Nancy C. Nancy C. Susan C. Susan C. Let's take one more. Joe M. Joe M. All right. We have Kim A. followed by Linda D. Then Nancy C. Go ahead, Kim A. Hi. Thanks. Good morning. This is Kim A. from New York City, and. I've been thinking as I'm listening, like, what does it actually mean to live a spiritual life? Because we know that this isn't a program of prayer. It's a program of action. And every single, the two prayer steps, right, steps three and seven, are followed by action. And it doesn't say, like, we eventually, you know, moved on to the next step. Like, after step three, it says we launched, I think it's after step three, we launched into action. So the minute we're done with those prayers, we are going right into working on our fourth step, working on our eighth step. Um, Prayer is an important part of this program on a daily basis, right? I mean, in step 11, they're giving us specific things and ways that we pray, both in the morning, certain things that we ask for, and at night, um, you know, I don't know if everybody does this, I don't think so, but I do a nightly review that I send to my sponsor, Um, and even though this is incorporating prayer, obviously, it's also taking action. Every night, I do that nightly review, I email it to my sponsor, but it's not just something that I'm doing You know, it doesn't take a long time, but it's something that I actually have to think about as I'm doing. Did I miss any 10 steps throughout the day? What could I have done better? How did I do service today? How was I going out and being helpful? So, yeah, you know, this is a spiritual program, and as we work the steps, as we take the actions in the steps, we learn how to have a relationship with that higher power. We may have come to program with an idea of what a higher power is, or maybe we didn't. But either way, the steps teach us how to rely on that higher power and how to develop that relationship. So even if we don't necessarily feel it like in our bones when we're saying that third step prayer and that seventh step prayer, we may not even understand at those points, what it is that we're asking for, what it is that we're praying for. 
but we have to have enough faith by seeing that the people around us are recovering by doing these same, same things. We kind of develop that faith that, okay, well, even if I don't get it now, as long as I follow the directions in the big book and follow the directions of my sponsor, I'm going to understand what all this means. I used to get hung up for so long on step three because I'd be making that decision like, sure, I'm going to turn my will and my life over to my higher power. I'm going to turn over my thoughts and my actions, of course. But then I'd get stuck because I didn't know how to do that. I didn't really know what that meant. I wanted to do it, but I didn't know how. And I didn't realize, because I didn't have a big book sponsor, I didn't realize that the rest of those steps if I follow the directions in the big book, are going to teach me how to do that. So, yes, of course, this is a spiritual life and a spiritual program, but we can only get that life by following the directions right. in the steps. And I will wrap up with that. Thanks. It's Kim A. in New York City. Thank you, Kim A. Next we have Linda D. followed by Nancy C. Go ahead, Linda. Good morning, everybody. It's Linda D. So very stunned and grateful to God and all of you to be recovered, but not cured. That's why I'm here. I'm here to get well. Well, how do I do it? Well, everybody does it differently, I guess, within certain parameters. I think the thing is this. If God divinity, power, whatever you call this entity, if it wasn't really, really, really real, this program would not work. This meeting would not exist. I would be very, very dead, and it would have been very ugly. And frankly, it still could be. This is, this is quite a disease. It's just uh, overwhelming sometimes. The amount of fear it can generate, and then out of that fear, sickness, at least in me. The thing I do, the action I take, I do a, a two-way prayer is what it really is. I didn't know that's what you call it. I cannot write very quickly because I have nerve damage in my hands, so I do it in my head. So the action I take is, uh, what do you want me to do next? And I wait. Till I hear the answer. And if it's not fearful or it's going in the direction of love, that's the direction I go in. And I've gotten good at practicing it. Really good because I practiced for a really long time. I did all the things that the person before me said. All the things. It's very, very important for me to surrender. That's the action. And to wait and to do what I am told to do, even if it seems so frightening. Because sometimes things show up in life that are frightening, whether it's um, <laughs> global financial crisis or a physical disease. I can be terrified very easily and overwhelmed. I don't know about you. So I'm assuming you're somewhat like me. So what I do is I surrender and I listen and I act on what I've heard. And if it's too weird, I wait 
because the, the truth will surface. If I have to check it with somebody and call somebody, I will. This is a magnificent program. It's given me a life beyond my wildest dreams. And sometimes the things I have to do scare the S-H-I-T out of me. But it works every single time, no matter what. It's magnificent. I love this program, and I'm so grateful to be here and to learn with all of you and from all of you. I pass. Thank you, Linda B. Next, we have Nancy C., followed by Susan C., and then Joe M. Go ahead, Nancy. Hey, thanks, Julie. Thanks for hearing me. Thanks for taking the meeting today. Nancy C., gratefully recovered this morning in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, Wow, spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Um, I find that almost laughable when I was sitting here this morning listening to this paragraph on how everything was so me. Um, I was so selfish and self-centered that spiritual, what is spiritual? You know, I never got the pony I ever asked for. You know, I, I confused religion with spirituality and never got it. But this book has taught me that I had a spiritual malady, right? My common problem was a spiritual malady and my common solution is working the steps and taking the action and finding recovery and then living those steps on a daily basis and taking those actions. Love, tolerance, kindness is our code today. And when I think of how my spiritual axiom of me, me, and me has changed to God, others, and self. And how every day I wake up and just ask God to show me what I can do for somebody else today and be open a little bit. Am I perfect? Hell no. I do. I get selfish and dishonest and just like the rest of us. But I work at it and God tells me when to redirect. And those pauses throughout the day is my spiritual theory, right? Because I'm not alone anymore. I've got deep down inside me, deep down inside every man, woman, and child, there is God, and he has found me, and he has helped me be part of his sunlight to other people today. Do I do this perfectly? No. Do I do it a little bit? Yeah. And do I work at it? Yeah, because God wants me to, and it's a joy to do that, which just is laughable because I never would have taken time for anything but me because it was me, 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 not God, others, and then me. I'm really grateful for this program and grateful that you guys showed me the evidence that this program works because it is a we program. We have to do it together if we're going to spiritually grow as God's kids. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nancy C. Next, we have Susan C. followed by Joe M. Go ahead, Susan. Hi, this is Susan from Pennsylvania. And spiritual life is not a theory. And we have to live it. And I came into this program years ago and... I think I was really like pushing stuff on my children and especially the spouse didn't work. Um, So I found that um, when I just went about my business that um, 
people would watch me. I didn't know it, you know, but people just really like watch you more um, and listen. So, um, and I remember uh, one time my son was over and um, I was really involved in the fellowship and he he came up to me, he says, hang up, hang up the phone, <laughs> you know, and um, so I have to be aware of um, my program right now, um, you know, like struggling and, but I still have to be having awareness of um, other people. So like I would go out and I heard somebody say, you know, you don't live in a bubble. It's just like a, a, a 12 step counselor. You don't live in a bubble. So even though I was struggling, I would say before I walked out the door, I'd do like a little prayer meditation, like, okay, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Because I, I saw myself becoming very self-obsessed about what I want to get. And um, sure enough, I was put into situations. This happened so many times that I would be in situations where I needed to give rather than receive. So um, to me, that's following, you know, like the spiritual principles. And um, yeah, I'm just going to keep coming back to the meetings. Thanks. Thank you, Susan C. And Joe, you are next. Hi, this is Joe. Can you hear me all right? I can. Thank you, Julie. Um, my name is Joe, uh, and Joe M., as in Mary, from Minnesota, compulsive overeater. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. The big book is full of references to my inner life and my outer life. My inner life, you know, what is going on inside of me, and then my outer life is how am I showing up with others and for others. That, that's a major theme throughout the book, and this is an example of pointing out that our outer life really matters, um, meaning the way that we show up um, in service, in love with others. We have to live it. Um, I think about, for example, my employer. I don't believe that my colleagues care that I'm in a 12-step program. They don't care that I'm abstinent. They don't care that I'm you know, working 12 steps. I don't think they care about that. I think what they care about is how I show up at work with them and for them, how I talk to them, how I listen, how I follow through, what is, how do I collaborate. That's what they care about because that is what is affecting them. So I love the fact that the book doesn't let us off the hook. It doesn't say, gee, all you have to do is be relieved of the compulsion to, you know, to, to drink or, in, you know, in our case, overeat, and, that's, and, and then you're good to go. It really is about, you know, it, if you look at step 12, the wording of step 12, it's all about how we're showing up for others. It's carrying a message to others. It's practicing these principles in all of our affairs. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. All right. Um, it is now time to close our meeting, and we will close it with the reading from the big book on page 164. 
followed by the serenity prayer. And Susan S.H., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, indeed. This is Susan S.H., a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find. Join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.